Well, I wonder what you felt when we turned to Genesis 5 to read uh, that genealogy. Did you think this is my favorite part of the Bible? Um, Probably not. Uh, It's one of the first of the genealogies, the list of names. Uh, But if your name was in the list, or my name, then we probably would say it was our favorite part of the Bible, wouldn't we? And it's the kind of details that remind us that... uh, The Bible and and those chapters, including those chapters, uh, the opening chapters of Genesis, are real history and not something else. But there's something else you may have noticed in that particular genealogy, and that was the long uh, ages. Those people lived longer than we do today, hundreds of years, more than 900 in most cases. And some will say, well, there you go. That shows it isn't real history. It's like a fairy tale. But those ages are not so unbelievable as you might think. There are animals and plants today that live... uh, Oh, there we have the ages. I forgot to put that one up, uh, of some of the names in that list. Um, But some animals and plants today live as long or longer than those people did. Let me just show you some examples. I hope you can see at the back. Uh, This is a Greenland shark. And uh, one of those in particular that was found in 2016 was estimated by scientists to be, would anybody like to guess? Take a brave guess. Not quite a thousand. Let me show you. And don't ask me how they did it. It's chemical analysis. Uh, 392 years old. And yet there are others, they think, that have lived longer. And then there was this clam, um, which is a, a marine mollusk, Uh, And uh, this one was found in 2006. It's only small. Uh, It was nicknamed Ming for some reason. And this was found to be... Anybody like to, again, have a guess? A bit more than the shark. 500, that's very good. Uh, 507, they're very precise. 507 years old. Unfortunately, in measuring the age, they cut it in half and killed it. So it may have lived uh, longer. But then what about trees? They're living things too, aren't they? And there are giant sequoia trees in California that are thought to be, uh, well, one in particular, 3,200 years old. But you don't even have to go to California. Uh, In Wales, there is a a yew tree in that village uh, in a graveyard uh, that is thought by scientists to be between four and 5,000 years old. Now, I don't think... Any tree can actually be more than about 4,500 years old because that takes us back uh, to the flood, doesn't it? And if you're interested in that subject, on our website and on our, in our online journal eOrigins, there's actually a, an article all about dendrochronology, which is the study of uh, tree rings and dating trees, which, um, which can sometimes be overestimated. But that's another, another story. But my point is this, that it's not unreasonable to think of living things living to 900 or that human beings once did. In fact, it's interesting, many human cultures in the world today have folk stories or legends about ancestors that lived much longer than today, an indicator that it's a shared memory of something that was a reality. Now, these people, of course, that we read of lived before the flood, But after it, Noah's descendants' lifespans 
decreased to about 400, then 200. Abraham lived till he was 175, Moses 120. So relatively soon, lifespans became what they are today. And creation scientists have come up with possible explanations. Perhaps the atmosphere was different before the flood in terms of air pressure or the amount of oxygen or geomagnetic forces protected people from radiation more than after the flood. We don't know for sure, but we do know that God wanted it this way, and we'll see a little bit why later. So that was the first thing about that genealogy, the long ages. The second thing we notice, and perhaps more importantly, is the terrible effect of the fall on humanity, the fall of humanity on humanity. Especially if you imagine we'd read from Genesis 1 and the creation account with its repeated words, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then through Genesis 3 and the fall itself into sin. And then in that genealogy in Genesis 5, suddenly, eight times we read, and he died, and he died. Death has come into the world as a result of human sin. It wasn't there to begin with. Genesis opens with a perfect death-free creation, and Revelation, by the way, closes the Bible with a perfect new creation beginning, death-free. And in between is this temporary state we're still living in, a world under God's curse, as the prayer book has it, in the midst of life we are in death. So that's the second thing we noticed And he died, and he died. But then thirdly, almost as striking as the impact of death, comes an exception to the rule. Did you notice this man, Enoch? And it doesn't say he died. Verse 24 of Genesis 5 said, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. He jumps out at us from this list of names and is brought to our attention Now, when I was teaching in primary school, I knew that one of the best ways to manage a class is to pick out good examples. If someone's working hard and listening carefully, then you draw the attention of their classmates to them to encourage them to do the same. And I might even ask them to stand up or come to the front, show their work. You raise them above the level of their peers. And it's as if that's what God's doing here, isn't it? In the classroom of history. Look at Enoch. Learn from him. So what do we learn? Well, three very simple things. First of all, as we said, he walked with God. He walked with God. It's also in verse 22 there. Enoch walked with God 300 years. And you may be surprised to learn that there's actually only one other person in all of the Bible who is said to have walked with God. And that was, does anyone know? Another quiz question. Who is that? Not far away from Genesis 5. No, although he did, it's not actually said of him in those words. It's, his great, it's Enoch's great-grandson Noah in Genesis 6-9. But, of course, the Bible does say lots about walking with God as a picture of living with God, living for God. Think of the prophet Micah in chapter 6, verse 8 of his prophecy. The Lord has shown you what is good, and there's three things, isn't there? One is to walk humbly with your God. Or in the New Testament, Paul says in Colossians 1, walk worthy of the Lord. In other words, live a life worthy of the Lord. So how was Enoch doing this? Wasn't he a fallen, sinful person like us all? Well, the answer is actually found in the New Testament, again, and in Hebrews 11, which we read earlier. 
where Enoch appears in that great hall of fame of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, remarkably, that's only said of one other person in Scripture as well. Who, is it, who, who else is it said of he pleased God? Only one other. Yep, Jesus, that's right. Jesus himself, our Lord Jesus himself. But of course, he still is supreme there because only he could say, as he did in John 8, I always do the things that please God. So Enoch wasn't perfect like Jesus, but how did he please God? Hebrews 11 verse 6 answers, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So Enoch was saved by faith in God, not by anything he did or who he was, but by believing first that God exists, but also by believing what God had said and depending upon it. And in Enoch's day, what God had said already included the promise of a saviour to come, didn't it? For in Genesis 3.15, we read that. And Enoch likely heard it firsthand from Adam. Because Adam was still alive when Enoch was. Did you notice that? If you add up the dates, those long lifespans overlapped. And Adam could have met his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson. And so one reason for these long ages, I think, was that so that what had happened in Eden would be passed down accurately before it would, of course, be later written down by Moses uh, for the, down, and then read through the ages and even for us, ourselves. Uh, uh, that's how it worked. Um, now, Genesis 3.15 says, doesn't it, the seed of a woman will crush the serpent's head, a reference to Jesus coming and defeating sin and Satan. Enoch believed that. So if you want to walk with the God who made you, believe that he is and also believe that he is willing to forgive and to bless all those who come his way through Jesus the Saviour who did come and whose work we are able to look back to and to trust. That's what he had said. What else then does walking with God mean? Well, Carolyn and I like to uh, uh, walk in the countryside when we can. It's something we like to do. Um, And the usual thing when you walk together in such a way or anywhere is side by side, isn't it? Side by side. It's usually the way, if the footpath is wide enough. Um, A few years ago, we walked the Pedder's Way of the North Norfolk Coast Path up in our area, uh, which is 96 miles. Now, we did it over quite a number of days, (laughs) I have to say. But we... I remember we said at the end of it, it's amazing, isn't it? We never ran out of things to talk about for 96 miles of walking. Now, surely that indicates uh, unity. Or maybe it's the other way around. And maybe experiences like that, walking together for uh, a length of time, can strengthen a relationship. So walking together does infer relationship, doesn't it? Walking with God means we can bring everything to him in prayer. We can listen to him as we read and meditate on his word, uh, uh, the Bible. And walking also infers shared aims. I mean, you have to go in the same direction to start with for it to work. The prophet Amos famously challenged Israel about their relationship with God in Amos 3.3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? And yet we all start out 
disagreeing with God, if you like, because of our sin, while he is holy. The Lord had walked there in Eden with Adam and Eve. And when they disobeyed, they tried to hide from him. And that's what people have been doing ever since. But when God draws us to him through Jesus, we're not only forgiven, but we're given a new nature, given new desires that are different to those that we had before. And then increasingly, it isn't, it isn't that God just gives us what we want. It's that what we want become the things he wants. In verse 22, it says that back in Genesis 5 now, Enoch's walk lasted 300 years. In fact, his name has a, a meaning associated with dedication or discipline. So once we're depending on God, then discipline is also required in the Christian life, isn't it? If we're to maintain good habits of prayer and, and, and Bible reading and, more importantly, Bible obeying and witnessing and so on. Enoch, you see, he didn't get bored and, and, and want to walk with someone else after all that time. No, the more he walked with God, it seems the more he wanted to. Even when life was hard, he could rest in the presence of the one who knew what was ahead, if you like, the one who'd drawn the map. And like David, he could surely say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Is that your experience this morning? Are you walking with God through faith in Jesus Christ? So that's the first thing, he walked with God. And then secondly, Enoch witnessed for God. He witnessed for God. He lived in a wicked age like ours. Enoch had come from the godly line of Seth, the third son of Adam and Eve. And at the end of chapter 4, we're told that Seth's descendants had begun to call on the name of the Lord. But then sin spread again and was increasing. And people forgot God and his promise of a saviour and how to come to him. And it wouldn't be long before God saw fit to wipe out this sinful population with the flood. Those long lives just meant more sin, more years to provoke God. But in the midst of all that, as we've seen, Enoch still walked with God. As Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And today, ungodly voices are all around us, aren't they? Whether they come from the media or education or government or non-Christian friends and family. Yet we're to keep walking with God. But that doesn't mean we shut ourselves away from the world. Or we wouldn't be able to do this second thing that Enoch does here and witness for God. It is because Enoch walked with God that he couldn't keep quiet about it. He was an evangelist. And again, the New Testament helps us, this time uh, in the letter of Jude. Jude is a letter that warns the early Christians about ungodly men who are influencing the church. He says they've crept in unnoticed. They turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Jude uh, verse 11, uh, he compares those ungodly people to, to Old Testament characters who fell. He mentions Cain, he mentions Balaam, he mentions Korah. And then he comes in verse 14 of Jude, he says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all. Now, Jude is actually quoting from the first book of Enoch, which would have been familiar to Jews at the time. And it isn't a part of the scripture, but the Holy Spirit has determined that that quotation is there. 
And it makes Enoch, if you think about it, the first recorded prophet, the first preacher mentioned in the Bible. He warned the people of his day. God is going to judge the ungodly, as all the later prophets would do, as the New Testament apostles would do, as the Lord Jesus himself would do also. And that reminds us, doesn't it, that witnessing involves a message of judgment. God's love, God's grace are so amazing because we deserve the very opposite. Separation from God's favour forever. And it's possible, isn't it? Maybe you've seen examples of this, to emphasise one of those at the expense of the other. But sharing the gospel involves both. It's mercy and love in spite of the coming judgment. Would it have been a popular message? Well, no. Just like today, unrepentant sinners would have hated the message, would have opposed Enoch, but he went against the flow and he warned them anyway. He knew about judgment coming, even if he, he, he didn't know necessarily it would be a flood. But Genesis 5.21 tells us that at the age of 65, he begot Methuselah. And Methuselah means when he is dead, it shall come. It seems that Enoch named his son that because perhaps God had revealed to him that judgment was going to come at the end of his son's life. And note in verse 22 that it was after, after Enoch begot Methuselah that he walked with God 300 years. It's as if that event changed his priorities and made him more determined to walk with God. There are some commentators who speculate that perhaps that was actually his conversion. But, or it may just be that the added responsibility of parenthood made him depend all the more on God from then on. And that's what any new responsibility should do in us, isn't it, as well, to depend on the Lord all the more. Perhaps we need to check our priorities today. And do we really believe that Jesus is returning in judgment? Then, of course, we would get prepared to meet him, first of all, be saved and trust him, but also be ready wherever there is opportunity to witness for him, to tell others to trust him too. As uh, C.T. Studd once said, only one life and soon it's past. Only what's done for Christ will last. So Enoch walked with God and Enoch witnessed for God. And then finally, it's very simple, Enoch went to God. He went to God. Genesis 5, 24, Enoch was not, for God took him. In other words, he was not found, for God took him away. And over in Hebrews 11, which again we read in verse 5, it said, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Enoch is one of only two men in the Bible who didn't physically die the other one being Elijah and yeah, more people knew that one uh, Enoch became as I like to uh, call him and this could be the title of this message the walker who took a shortcut of course as a result of that he didn't live as long on earth as the others in this list it's 365 years but his son became the longest living human in history dying at the age of 900 and 69. In fact, one of the places in California where those sequoia trees are is actually, one of the paths is actually called the Methuselah Trail, where those long-living trees grow. 
But that lifespan in itself of Methuselah reminds us of God's patience and mercy, doesn't it? Because it was only then that the flood came. The one whose death would be followed by judgment was the longest lived in history. You know, his years, uh, compared to the others in the list of, of 900 in most cases, um, his, his life of 365, it's sort of equivalent, if you think of today's lifespans, it's about equivalent to 30, isn't it? So about a third of, of the longer lifespans. And when I think of dying at, say, the equivalent of 30, I, I'm reminded of Robert Murray McShane, uh, who died at the age of 29, Weak and exhausted after seven intense years of service for God to the thousands who flocked to hear him preach in Dundee. He'd written this in his diary, a few days more and our journey is done. I do not expect to live long. I expect a sudden call. Oh, live for eternity. I'm also reminded of Jim Elliot, martyred for the gospel in Ecuador at the age of 28. In his... uh, diary he'd written saturate me with the oil of God that I may be a flame but flame is transient often short-lived can you bear this my soul short life in me there dwells the spirit of the great short-lived whose zeal for God's house consumed him and he's there referring of course to the Lord Jesus himself who who also lived only about well lived about 33 years on earth uh, his earthly life and yet finished the work he came to do, the work he came to do on our behalf. One has said it's as if God said to Enoch, come home now. You have maintained your testimony well in your generation and now I'm going to make you an example for generations to come. Was he missed, do you think? Because he had had such an impact on the people around him. Will we be missed in that way? Remembered for pointing others to Jesus and, of course, living in a way that lined up with our faith. Well, that's, that would be a result of God's grace at work in us, wouldn't it? And therefore glorifying him rather than ourselves. The, uh, the phrase here, taken away, he was taken. The Hebrew literally means carried over, carried across, from the earth to the presence of God. But, of course, in one sense, things carried on the same. It's as if he just kept on walking and walked out of this seed of time, having walked by faith, now walking by sight. But he still had what he had begun to have on earth, the joy of friendship and fellowship with the Lord. And, you know, in another sense, Enoch's almost like a picture of Jesus rising from the dead, isn't he? Do you remember how... uh, how the, the tomb was found empty and you can imagine the friends and neighbours of Enoch looking for him but they couldn't find him a little bit like uh, that empty tomb and because Jesus rose conquering death for all who trust him we can know we'll also rise again after death unless Jesus comes in our lifetime in which case we will be transformed and meet him that way but otherwise we may not escape physical death but what did Jesus say I am the resurrection and the life He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall uh, live. So we too can know that we'll be carried over from this fallen world, ultimately to the new one that's coming. Do you know that that will be true of you? The Bible says elsewhere, God delights in those who walk with him. Imagine that, the creator of the universe 
delights in those who walk with him. But remember, we've learned without faith, you cannot please him. Just believe today what Jesus has done for you. Repent of sin, trust him, and begin your walk with God today if you haven't done so already. And for those of us who have, by the grace of God, until we too go to be with the Lord, may we be the witnesses in our generation that Enoch was in his. May our walk with God be close and our trust in Christ complete and our obedience of his word consistent as he helps us. Well, may God bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen.